What I find so often in this work that I do is the complete inability of evangelicals to look in the mirror and take a moment to think, could these voices of deconstruction out there have something valid to say that we need to hear? And generally they're like, oh, you're just somebody who grew up in the church and now you're hurt and you don't like it. Or what do you say to somebody who didn't grow up in the evangelical church, joined the evangelical church in recovery, and now says, I'll never be part of that again, left community behind, left faith behind, maybe struggling to know whether God is left behind. Is the evangelical church ever willing to look in the mirror and say, maybe it's us? My guest today on the podcast is somebody who's asking the church to consider that maybe it's not us, it's you. Why would a successful entrepreneur in Birmingham, Alabama, be a blue dot in the middle of a very red state and city? Putting livelihood and relationships and even a little bit perhaps of just personal well-being at risk to say, I can't be a part of that anymore. Is, is the evangelical church ever willing to hear a story like that and say, hmm, maybe there is something we need to hear? Well, I don't know if the church will ever hear that, but I want you to hear from my friend, Lindsay, who is the Beham Blue Dot, the Blue Dot in the middle of Birmingham, Alabama a red state. And she's really a fascinating creator on TikTok, a brilliant person, and you're going to love hearing from her. Also, let me remind you in the middle of this podcast, you'll hear an ad to join my Pastor Paul Patreon page. It's where we get our financial support through your subscriptions to Patreon, and you get some access to some pretty cool stuff by doing it too. So please consider as you're listening to our podcast today, jumping in on a subscription. That'll get you some cool stuff with our Patreon page and also will help support the message that God is not mad at you that we send out through the nonpartisan evangelical and the work of Pastor Paul. Now, to Lindsay Beham Blue Dot from TikTok on the nonpartisan evangelical podcast and Pastor Paul here at pastor-paul.com and the Pastor Paul YouTube channel. Hi, everybody. Pastor Paul here. Glad you're with me for the podcast today. And uh, just always like to have a bunch of different voices as we're all on this journey of where we're going together. And so I'm, I'm glad you're with me today. And I'm really excited about my guest I have today, who is a new friend of mine. Uh, of course, it seems like most of my new friends these days come through TikTok. And uh, this is a really fabulous creator on TikTok. And her name's Lindsay Booker. And she joins us from Alabama and is one of my favorite creators in all of social media. So Lindsay, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I'm so honored that you asked me to be here. So you're one of my favorite creators on TikTok. Ah, oh, thanks. And uh, so it's at Beham Blue Dot. Let me put that up there so people yeah. can see it. Now, what the heck does at Beham Blue Dot mean? So Beham is um, Birmingham, Alabama, and I'm a blue dot in a red state. So, <laughs> I'm a bright blue dot in a very red state. And how's that working out for you? It's pretty lonely. <laughs> so. 
Talk about that a little bit, um, and and what where did the blueness come from? What uh, what sort of have you been? Uh, were you from a liberal leaning family? Did you become liberal? What, what's that that political journey been like for you? Maybe that's paralleled your religious journey along the way. So actually, my grandmother is rolling over in her grave somewhere. Um, I was born and raised Republican in Tennessee, very conservative. Um, family and especially my grandmother. I remember her like, I mean, she started taking me to DAR meetings when I was five and she checked me out of school to go hear George H. Bush speak and took me into the voting booth with her. I mean, I, you know. Now what's DAR? Oh, the Daughters of the American Revolution. Oh, okay. You can imagine like a bunch of old white ladies in Tennessee in the eighties, you know, <laughs> that, which that, that just sounds pretty racist. <laughs> But, um, That's all you need to say. A bunch yeah. of old white ladies in Tennessee. Yes, having lunch. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so I was raised Republican. And my, you know, my, my father is very conservative. Um, and I was really conservative in my 20s. And then I met my husband, who's from Alabama, born and raised. He was also very conservative. Um, and I kind of went off the rails there for a little while, like watching um, Fox News. And I loved Bill O'Reilly and was that Greta Van somebody? Um, Western, yeah. Yeah. And then we moved to Europe in our late 20s. And so we moved to Belgium. And I went over there, this like hardcore conservative. And we were just, look at all this, you know, socialism over here. And um, and then I came back a liberal. <laughs> so, but um, but there were a number of things that happened. That's when I started. So it's Europe's it. fault. Okay. It is. It is Europe. It's crazy, you know, evil socialist, which. Belgium isn't a socialist country, but it does have heavy social welfare programs. And um, but what happened over there, one of the big things was um, we made there right after Hurricane Katrina. And so we started making friends like there's a whole expat community. And I met someone who was from the U.S., but very different from me. And I remember talking to her about Hurricane Katrina and, um, you know, all the people who were stranded there. And we were having this conversation and I was saying things like, Oh, you know, they, sh why are people stranded there? Personal responsibility. The government shouldn't get in there and save them. You know, what about, um, why are they poor? They shouldn't be poor. <laughs> just say, you know, say things like that. Uh, people should work harder. And, um, she just sat there listening to me like rant and rave. And then she finally said, um, what about the elderly and the disabled? What were they supposed to do? And what do you say? I had nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure she was thinking like, what a horrible woman <laughs> she was right. But I think I was saying the other day, like I need to track her down and find her and tell her, thank you for changing my life. But that was the first, you know, that was really when things started to change. And of course, living in Europe, I was pregnant there and, you know, they have universal healthcare in Belgium. And I just got to see like, there's a different way of doing things and that, um, you know, the American dream isn't maybe as dreamy as we thought. Yeah. I liked the way of life over there that it was um, it's just such an easier way to live. It's not all about money, money, striving, striving, get as much as you can work as much as you can. So, um, and then I had children and. I wonder sometimes if we shouldn't uh, compel every American kid, you know, like in their junior year of high school to go live somewhere else than where they grew up, particularly out of the country, just just to see another perspective. And, you know, I've been on this journey a long time, but I was working, I, ha I have a group of, of great friends that I met through the church from 
from Great Britain uh, and many of them living here in the United States. And, and the thing that really got me was the healthcare thing that all of them were like, your healthcare system sucks. And we're like, no, it's the greatest healthcare system in the world. We, and they're like, no, it's awful. It's awful. And, you know, when we start pecking at getting our own stories pecked away at just a little bit like that, we start to see a different perspective, don't we? Mm-hmm. One of the things I noticed um, is that medicine over there, they don't, um, well, they just don't hand out pills the way they do here. I have a friend who like fell down some basement stairs and like broke her arm and they, they gave her ibuprofen, you know, <laughs> that was, which was, you know, <laughs> Uh, and I went to, I saw, I saw a dermatologist there. I saw it, my OBGYN, of course, cause I was pregnant, but before I was pregnant, I, I went in and talked to her about depression and I'm um, thinking I was going to get with, you know, leave with antidepressants. And she was like, you're in a new country. It's, this is a new experience for you. It's, you know, it's lonely, like go take some primrose oil or something like that. And sent me on my way where here, you know, it's get out the prescription pad and let's, you know, so that yeah. was very different. And that's, you're in that space a little bit. I, I didn't fully introduce you to everybody and you're an entrepreneur and uh, owner of a successful business. T- and it's it's Pilates, right? So you're a little bit in the uh, physical health space. I am, I am. So I'm Pilates Studios. I never named my business because I'm part of a franchise and my crazy liberal views do not necessarily <laughs> reflect those of other owners. So, <laughs> but, gotcha. I, yeah, but I'm in the Pilates business and yeah, so- um, I, I do believe that mindful movement like Pilates is, is so important for our mental health for sure. And that's a funny thing. We grew up thinking that was where demons would, would get to us, uh, by doing this. And I'll tell you we, what intrigues me about your story. And I've had many great people that are going through their own deconstruction journey, which has become kind of a, a real buzzword now for us all in this, but, but really what, what intrigues me, and I would love to hear how, how this has been for you as a journey in that you didn't grow up necessarily. Now you did say your, your grandmother is rolling over in her grave now, but in, in that right wing evangelical space, that wasn't your upbringing, right? That was something you entered later in life. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I was familiar with that. I mean, I like my boyfriend, my high school boyfriend was raised in that, you know, um, raised that way. And um, obviously being in, in the South, being in Memphis, I did meet people who were, you know, um, raised in that whole, you know, right wing evangelical. Um, but yeah, it was later in life when I was in my mid thirties, I guess. So I was in mid thirties. I'm an alcoholic. I'm very open about it. I got sober seven years ago. Um, and when I was getting sober, that's when I really started to lean like heavily into my, more into my faith we went to a Methodist church before, but, you know, it was kind of like that high church, like go to church just on Sundays and get dressed up. And, you know, in the South, like you have to put your kids in the smock clothes and all that. And, um, you know, that we kind of did that, but I never really heard the gospel before. So, um, so we found a different church when I was really like at my rock bottom, we started going to a, um, like a mega church an arc church, which I, I won't name, but, um, and that's when, yeah. Say more about that. An, an ARC church. This is, uh, we have an ARC church in Fresno that's making some news right now, but tell what an, what an ARC church is. I don't remember. What does ARC stand for? Uh, it's, it's A-R-C. Um, 
you know, I don't know what it stands I don't for. Remember. I, I don't remember either. It's a mega church. It's a mega church. And it's and a, and it's a network of churches, right? That, network that, of churches. Yeah. And they all kind of had the same playbook and they, they are a church, church planting organization. I mean, they, they association of related churches. Google okay, is amazing. Yeah, you yeah. can find it right away. But there, and like I said, we have a, a an ARC church that's trying to buy a theater in our uh, sort of creative uh, gay pride parade space. And they're, they're like, we're welcoming of everyone. And then you go read the credo of the ARC churches and the churches that are in it. And marriages between one man and one woman is right there. And I think in their top 10 points of belief. And uh, so there's a little bit of sometimes a, uh, an act like we're accepting of say gay people or marginalized people or ostracized people from the church. But, but once you get inside it, it's not quite so much. huh? Yeah. And so then that's one of the things that really bothered me was that um, when I first, when I first went to that church, that was the message that I received for sure. It's a real like love bomb, you know, and everybody's welcome and God loves the broken, broken. It doesn't matter what you've done. It does you know, none of that matters. You know, you can be made new in Christ. And um, yeah, we accept everyone hoping that you'll change. (laughs) (laughs) Now let's pause for a quick word on coaching with Pastor Paul. Something I hear often, is a coach really worth it? My name is Lacey and I went through the Core Leaders Network coaching program with Paul and it was completely life-changing for me. It literally changed the whole direction of my life. I learned so much and the timing couldn't have been more perfect because so many things have changed at my place of employment. Having a community of others who are on the same journey make it easier to look deeply in ourselves and start to accept who we are. I was the type of person that would just adapt to my surroundings and sink back into the crowd. Paul was really great at digging to the core of who I am and helping me learn how to walk in my authentic self and embracing that with courage without fear of what others think. One day I was like, something's not right. This was my dream. This is what I thought I was called to forever. My head was spinning. So often I'm told, I never really thought about why I do what I do until I was in a cohort. Diving in deep and taking a look at your strengths and weaknesses and being willing and really excited to grow. What are the things that would cause me to not venture out into something new? He also was able to help me form a vision and a mission for myself. You're amazing. You've learned to cope with incredible stressors and hurdles to your well-being. Now let's make that life journey easier by asking questions and gathering tools for seeing and living life differently. I was able to transition out of a ministry position I thought I would never leave. I'm really excited about it, but never would have moved out if I had not gone through the Core Leaders Network. Without this program, I wouldn't have had such a clear vision moving forward how I can impact and encourage and bless people's lives. If you're deconstructing your faith or your life beliefs, or maybe you're in a transition season, I can help you walk that journey out. I can't recommend this program enough to people out there. It was truly a life transformation for me. I will use all the information for the rest of my life. So thank you, Paul. Jump into the Core Leaders Network. It'll make you resituate where you are and what you're doing and may generate some new ideas and generate some a whole new way of thinking for you. It literally changed the whole direction of my life for the better. Thank you, Paul. 
Come on, live an abundant life as your best self. Join our September core cohort. Hi everybody, Pastor Paul here. So many of you are so gracious and great to say, how can you help spread the message that God is not mad at the world that we do here through the Pastor Paul work? One way you can do that is subscribe to my YouTube channel and sign up for notifications from it. Let me tell you, the reason I'm asking you to do that is because I've been on TikTok and Facebook and other social media platforms and have found that those platforms really are not fair to creators. Yes, TikTok has been great at helping me expand my message, but on any given day, they can just decide None of your videos are getting out anymore. And that's been happening to me for most of 2021. I've tried to work with TikTok to figure out how I can meet what they want and how I can serve them as they serve me as a creator. And you know what TikTok does? They have no way for you to talk to a human being and, they, and you get almost no response from them ever. And I hear this from creator after creator after creator. And if there's a platform that doesn't believe in supporting its creators and being fair and uh, and moral with its creators, then I'm not sure that that's where I want to stay and keep my work. YouTube, on the other hand, has been great. They, they honor their creators and they've come up with new platforms on an on ongoing basis where I now can post memes and, and their new shorts feature, which is their version of TikTok. And so I want you to go over there and check it out. Having said all that, will you do this? You may be on YouTube watching this video right now. If not, go to the Pastor Paul channel. And when you get there, there's going to be a subscribe button and a notification bell. When you go to my Pastor Paul channel, you're going to see a subscribe button. Click on it and you're now subscribed to my channel. And so when you go to YouTube, you'll see my content pop up. But you see this bell here? That's the notifications bell. If you click on that, then you'll see these come up, all personalized or none. Click on the all. Now, every time I put content on YouTube, you'll get a notification, and every time, including every time I go live, so you'll never, ever miss another live with Pastor Paul when I go live on YouTube. Would you do that for me? That's a favor that would help a lot. I want to grow my YouTube platform, and that's where I'm going to spend a lot of my time and efforts in the future because I want to serve a platform that serves its creators and does it well. So do me a favor, go subscribe and click that notification bell on YouTube and help grow this message that God is not mad at you from Pastor Paul. You know, none of that matters. You know, you can be made new in Christ. And um, yeah, we accept everyone hoping that you'll change. <laughs> <laughs> they accept you the way you are, but there's an expectation that you um that you change. And how did you how did you start to sense that and see that in your church? It was really like more in the small group setting. Um, it was one of those things like with LGBTQ. It's not really something they say out loud, you know, or it's not something I heard a lot about. I can't even remember where I started like picking that picking picking that up, but. The big thing that happened was um, I was in a small group where the leaders started comparing Donald Trump to King David. Mm. And that's when I felt like really knew like, okay, something's <laughs> really that guy. So uh, that was a big, that was a big clue. Um, but there was, there was a message early on. There was a message. Um, the pastor, I remember so clearly him saying like, 
um, talking about politics and saying laws don't change hearts. Only God can change hearts. Lord, you know, laws don't change hearts. And so I thought, oh, well, this is great. Like they're not into politics. This is not your typical, you know, Republican. Um, and it so was. Hmm. They're saying God doesn't change hearts, but, you know, or, you know, laws don't change hearts, but they're actively like trying to change laws. <laughs> so were, were you sensing that there was something a little bit off from where, where you were going in your heart and, and maybe even your political views that when Do and Donald Trump was then sort of the final, the final straw of like blowing the lid off of over, uh, off of all of this and, and really exposing what the heart of it was. Yes. So that was, um, yeah, Donald Trump is what sent me over the edge. And that small group was the last small group that I did. And I, I hate talking about that group because I, I did get so much from this church and I got so much out of this small group. And I think that's in this all the small groups I did through that church. You know, that was the first time that I'd heard the gospel. You know, so I think they do. Um, you know, there is a lot of goodness that comes from it. Um, but when I saw where it was dangerous is that when you start having that um, kind of like group mentality, it's you can't ask questions about anything. You know, if I started asking questions about politics or suggesting like, Hey, maybe this isn't our guy, you know, that gets shut down real quick. Hmm. Um, so. And isn't that the pain in all of this really that I think all of us can say, yeah, I can point to those people, those people, those people in the church, and I love them, and they impacted my life in such a positive way. And so it's it's very much a tearing away when we start to say, but I can't be a part of this anymore, isn't it? Yeah. What did that look like for you? It was like a slow fade. It <laughs> 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 just kind of a slow fade. What, tell us about the slow fade. How did that go? Well, I think, I, like, I just never... I never really fit in with these groups. So I tried some different small groups and I never, and now I was um, in recovery, you know, being in recovery, you're processing a lot and I was not in a good place mentally. And I think probably very difficult to be around anyway. Um, but I just never quite, just never quite fit in, um, in any of these groups. And in retrospect, I think a lot of it was like the conservative um, beliefs that I just, I've always, even when I was conservative, even when I was, you know, watching Bill O'Reilly, I still um, was pro-gay marriage, you know, LGBTQ rights. I have a gay uncle, you know, I grew up with a gay uncle. And so that was one of the things that I just never, um, I've always been for gay marriage. So it's almost <laughs> like we're in this relationship in our churches where we love it. And then there's like, this horrible outlier thing that we just don't like, but we kind of ignore it because. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So the, so the slow fade, I just felt like I just never, never really fit in. And I just didn't go back to that small group. I never, you know, I didn't seek out any other small groups and nobody's reached out to me, you know, nobody, nobody did. Um, which I think is common. That's what most people have said that when they've left their church or left that people don't, you know, they don't reach out. Yeah. But I think it's in retrospect, I think it's okay. I think in these churches, like the small groups become an idol in a way. Mm. Um, because I noticed one of the things I noticed is when I wasn't active in the church, when I wasn't in a small group, I felt like very far from God, you know. And was that, that, was that a, a spoken thing? Mm -hmm. Like, 
was it a spoken thing that you need to be in a small group or you're oh well there will be so the small group is huge like there's so yeah. much pressure to be in a small group so much pressure um but no i just personally felt like i wasn't being fed spiritually and so i i did realize that a lot of the small group and a lot of the community and everything like it wasn't so much about my relationship with god it was the community that had become an idol does that make sense yeah yeah um, and so, but yeah, there's so much pressure to do the small groups. I mean, immediately it's the whole, like they do the whole like growth track, you know, you get in immediately. They want you on the growth track. They want you serving. They want you in that small group, accountability, community, um, do not be yoked with non-believers. Um, and like so, not just in marriage, but in life In life, like do not be uh, yoked with non-believers. That's fairly cultish. So, yeah. And so, and I did. I used to joke about it being a cult because people all over town, they talk about it being a cult. And I would say, well, I'm super happy. I'm happier than I've ever been. I'm in a cult. I guess it's, you know, I guess I'm in a cult and I don't care because <laughs> I'm happy. And, um, but yeah, the problem with that is then, you know, when you're, when you've got all, you know, all your eggs in one basket, when you're, you know, these, this is your whole life. This church is your whole life. These are your friends. Then when everybody's like, Hey, we should vote for this horrible, you know, um, con man, adulterer, you know, foul mouth, asshole. Sorry, can I say that on here? Absolutely. Right. Hell yeah, you can. So, uh, so, <laughs> so then when you're like, huh, maybe I don't, I, I don't know about this guy, you know, um, if you don't agree, where do you go? Like how, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that goes along with you. You made the interesting statement that community was an idol. Um, talk a little bit more about that. What's the what you know? Idolatry obviously is the the number one command of the Old Testament. What is the danger of your community being an idol? What was the danger you saw in that? Well, I think it's probably just having have like all, all having all of your faith, hope and trust, like wrapped up in people, you know? Mm. Yeah. So then when you, that, you know, so then when they let you down, then when things like this happened with Trump, I mean, that's what was so heartbreaking. It was like, I have so much faith and hope and trust in this community of people who I love, you know, so dearly. And, um, and then something so big like this, like this Trumpism, um, yeah. It's really, yeah, devastating. And, and I think I left feeling like angry, you know, I'm now experiencing this anger with God. Uh, I, I want to come back to that. I was just yeah. going to say, though, that uh, if your community, I, I think that's right on that community is an idol because then it becomes really important to defend the narrative. Then, it, then defending what your group believes become becomes more important than a pursuit of truth really. And in the end you right, can right. be deceived because it's just so important to defend the narrative rather than hear something that disagrees with your community. Right. Right. Hmm. Cause we're afraid. We're afraid of losing that community. And that's, I think right. that's just a really natural human response. Right. Because where do you go? You know, where do you go with this whole deconstructing thing? Like there's, um, there, there is now, but, uh, you know, there's not a big community for this, or there hasn't been a community for this. There hasn't been leadership with this, you know, um, it's easier. I think it's just easier to stay 
A lot of times I think, you know, it's just easier for people to stay and not question anything. The other thing they talked to talked about a lot was um, your feelings lie to you. Mm. That was do not be yoked. And then those are the two and, and your feelings lie to you so that anything that you start to think that goes against what you're, you know, what you're being fed um, is the devil. It's that there's a lot of devil talk. Um, <laughs> are you familiar with devil talk? I am. Yes, of course. Well, I mean, I don't, is devil talk a thing? I, I don't know if I've heard well, that exact know, term before. No, it's just, no, that's just the way of saying it. I didn't, because I was in a, you know, Methodist church before, like I didn't, I guess when I was much younger in church, they, you know, they talked about the devil, but I hadn't heard like, so like they talk about the devil more than they talk about Jesus. I feel mm. like. that's so true. And the devil's always, always coming with deception. He's all, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always on the prowl. Um, mm. and it's really part of the, the hardest part of deconstructing. And it's getting better, but like the voice in my head, because there, you know, there was a day where I would have like really had a lot of anxiety about this and have thought like, this is just the devil. Like Pastor Paul's just the devil wanting to, you know, this is the enemy. You're being a voice for the enemy. I hear that on a fairly regular basis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But um, it was so I lost my voice last week and um, I was going to meet. So I met up with, um, you know, April and, and Abby and Rachel um, with this. Those are some other pretty other prominent TikTokers in our space yeah. that we enjoy. So we had like the the Jezebel, you know, Jezebel <laughs> get together. But, um, I lost my voice and like I came in and said, like there was a day where I would have said, this is just the devil trying to silence me, you know, or this is weird stuff, weird stuff. Some of the stuff that goes through my head with the devil talk. Um, that's a, it's a real, it's a mind fuck. And you're still hearing those voices. Sometimes. Mm. And it's, and I can't imagine like, because I didn't really get into this until, you know, that we're ta- talking like a few years in my thirties, you know, yeah. I can't imagine what it would be like to grow up in this and to how I, I can't imagine. I have so much compassion for people who are trying to deconstruct who this has been their life for, because even just these few years alone was enough to make me very fearful. And um, I think your, I think your story is so important to hear and why I love what you're doing on TikTok is because I, I, I hear it from people all the time. Like, well, but but what if it is just about winning people for Christ? And and what if Jesus is going to say, I never knew you? And what if God is turning his back on me because I'm a sinner? And what if I am being deceived from the from the devil? And so I think it's really important for people to hear stories like yours that you have have had to and still wrestle with those things on an ongoing basis. But I'm assuming you would affirm to people. It's a, it's a journey that's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Why would you say that? Um, I, I, I don't know, because I feel like seeking the truth. I do feel like I, I don't know. I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like I'm on the path to truth, you know, and I feel like, um, where I was, um, and again, as much as I, you know, this, this church did a lot of good for me. I do think they have it wrong. Mm. They have it wrong. And I, um, I'm very passionate, mostly, you know, really about the LGBTQ community. And I will no longer be part of an organization that is not or, you know, church that isn't affirming. Um, so there's I, a freedom that comes with stepping There's out. a freedom. Yes, there's a freedom. 
Um, absolutely. That comes with, with leaving but seeking yeah. truth and really feel. And I really feel like now, like I'm, I'm living a life that I'm living the life that Jesus would want me to live. I do feel very confident in that. They, I think they call them like red letter Christians or something, or some yeah. people always accuse me of, you know, ushering, loving everybody straight to hell. But um, I'm more focused on the gospel, um, on the teachings of Jesus. And I feel like the way that I'm living now, um, I feel like I'm living closer to how Jesus would want me to live. And I love that. Versus out there just, you know, winning souls for Christ and point, you know, it's all like pointing people to the gospel and letting God change their hearts, you know. And when they talk about that, they're talking about like LGBTQ, like, if we just point people to Christ, God will change their hearts. And yeah, um, I think there's, there's always been a feel of, for me, of like, I just want to love people um, in the midst of this. Um, But I, but I was compelled and taught to teach them that they're terrible and sinners and unhappy. And, uh, and, and I'm really glad to not have to do that anymore. I I do want to show people one of your TikToks. Um, so we looked at, we were, we were looking up one earlier. Let me see if I can, if I can find it. Um, do you need to set up for this or do we just go to it? No, you can, well, this is one of my, one of my earlier TikToks that got a lot of, um, I got a lot of followers from this. Okay. um, um, All right. Hang on one second. Let me get some sound here. And we'll get you going here. What's a recovering Christian? Um, I no longer identify as a Christian, not because I don't love Jesus, but because I do. Christianity is no longer about Jesus. Uh, And I'm starting to wonder if it ever was, but Christians today have all of their faith and hope and trust wrapped up in one person and it ain't Jesus. So um, I can't support Trump. And apparently the two go hand in hand now. Um, It's idol worship. I don't, see how people don't see that. And, um, you know, God's imperfect vessel. God uses sinners, sure, but this guy, he's not repentant. Um, there are no fruits of the spirit there. And, um, it's crazy to me that people follow him. So, and I'm not going to do that. So I'm on my own faith walk, my own lonely faith walk and trying to, you know, see the gospels with a different set of eyes and trying to make sense of everything. I feel like I've been deceived by people who have led and taught me over the years. So, I still love Jesus, just not like that. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's telling it like it is. Yeah. But yeah, that was one of my, yeah, Christianity isn't about Jesus, and I don't know that it ever was. So, um, Hmm. I feel like, um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the blessing of the season of Donald Trump is that the heart, or maybe I would say the roots of evangelicalism and right-wing Christianity have been exposed. And I think it's ugly and messy and smelly and necessary. And I think it's very important that people like you are out there saying, hey, guys, look at this. This is not okay. And, you know, Jesus said, if a tree doesn't bear fruit, you cut it off at the roots and you throw it in the fire. And when he said that, he was talking about God's people that were supposed to be taking God's message to the world, but instead had become 
very self-protective and self-important and self-righteous. And Jesus said, yeah, we need to cut that thing off the, at the roots and throw it in the fire. And you see that temple over there, not one stone's going to stand on another. And I guess, sorry not to preach to you, but I feel very much like Jesus is saying in this season, you see those churches? Time for them to go. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're really hurting people. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, maybe the roots of it have, have always been bad. We were just better at covering it up. Right. Well, it takes, it's really like taking me down this rabbit hole because if it's, you know, once I realized that this particular church and I, you know, I do believe that it's, I mean, it's a political machine. People talk about it being about money, but I think it's also about politics. And um, so if it's, if it's really like all about politics now, like, has it always been about some agenda? If it was, if it's not about Jesus now, was it ever about Jesus it just really has made me question like everything, you know, was I lied to about the cross? Like what else, you know, what's, what's real. Hmm. Um, I want to I go back to your point about being angry at God, but we're going to wrap up this part of the public podcast. And if you guys want to hear some more of Lindsay's story in our conversation, you can go to my Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash NPE podcast. Tell people real quick where they can find you, Lindsay. Oh, I'm on TikTok. It's be him blue dot. And um, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, B-H-A-M, Blue Dot. You're, you're my only friend from Birmingham, so I'm, I'm glad to mm-hmm. have this discussion. We'll continue it on Patreon.